My name is Britt Hicks, and you are listening to another Exvangelical podcast. On this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life who in some way identify with the term Exvangelical. On that note, everyone has their own personal story, their own vocabulary, Uh, When listening to this podcast, there may be things that you agree with and things that you don't agree with, and I invite you to just to sit and hold space for the person that you're listening to. If you have questions, please send them in to me, and I would love to hear them. If you would like to be interviewed as an evangelical on this podcast, please send me an email or uh, reply, and I would love to get you on our show. Thanks so much, and please enjoy listening to this episode. This episode is sponsored by Color Splash. Color Splash is a camp for youth in the LGBTQIA plus community. For more information about Color Splash, Go to colorsplashout.org and get your kids signed up for camp. Camp is at the end of July this year, and it is so much fun. I will be a camp counselor. Again, if you have any questions or you want information, go to colorsplashout.org. On with the show. Hey, 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 Uh, real quick, before you listen to this episode, could you pause, or I think you can do it while you continue to listen, but could you leave me a review on whatever streaming device that you're listening to? That would help out tremendously, give us five stars, give us a good review, and Share, share this with your friends, your family, your enemies, anyone that you think could benefit from this podcast, even if you don't think they could benefit, send it to them, share it. All right, that's all. All right, so today we have Jody Friend with us. I'm so excited. (laughs) I think this is. I've been excited about every interview, but I've really, really been excited about this one because we planned this interview, I feel like two months ago or so. It was Jody is a friend of Mary's, who was uh, the second episode. Um, and I listened to Jody's newest, what are we calling them? Recording CD album? Um, albums, record album. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I was on a walk and I had to stop a couple of times because it just hit so close to home so Mm. many times, especially um, with everything going on right now. Um, But with all that, Jody, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Kind of tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. My name is Jody Gladriel Friend. I have been living in Indianapolis for about eight years. And I am the lead singer of the band Public Universal Friend. Um, and I've been doing that as well as modeling and writing um, with most of my time. But music is 
what I spend most of my life doing. Nice. And I just have to say your hair looks fabulous. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love the curls. They, <laughs> it looks really good. I'm I'm kind of jealous. This is about as nice as my hair gets. Um oh. why did you say yes to come on to an evangelical podcast? <laughs> I think it's an important conversation. It's something that I think is a conversation that is best done when it's intersectional instead mm -hmm. of something that is isolated among, um, you know, I, I think especially when there's a queer element to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the major player for me that made me start to ask questions at, um, you know, throughout my church experience anyway. Um, I think it's an important conversation to be had, you know? Yeah. I think it's, um, it's something that can benefit from more voices and more influence as opposed to less. So you have church experience. What, when did that start and what did that, what, what did that kind of look like? I, so I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, and my dad was a Methodist pastor. So I was, in the church since birth and I was in a church in one way or another until about four years ago and I guess like growing up in that environment there was a lot that kept me in it for many years because it was um it was an attachment thing with my family and with my community it was where everyone went it was what everyone did and then once I started thinking a little more critically about it um while I was like on staff at a church that is when it got really interesting because I was um coming out as queer and leading music at this church that can't have queer people in leadership mm -hmm. Um, so it was pretty dramatic and the, the ending was, um, technically my choice, but not really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was in churches for about 27, eight years. Um, and I think there's a lot of beauty about this kind of idea of divinity and community and, um, kind of a collective consciousness of something bigger um, but I think that it's just right next to being inherently corruptible when it's a system of power yeah which is um, I think something that was the most striking to me in retrospect is like man I've, I've been part of a system mm -hmm. um, that relies on me being a certain way instead of being like authentic um, so that was a very difficult shift and decision to leave the evangelical church um yeah i guess 2019 okay well um mm -hmm. right before the pandemic too right right yeah and some it, of my final meetings with church leaders were um just as everyone was starting to mask um this is very interesting time for sure Oh yeah, yeah, and that's a, a interesting juxtaposition too, right? <laughs> the church masking. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. 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 And I like, I'm like neurodivergent and I deal with masking all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, that is kind of a funny picture. Well, <laughs> nice illustration. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you said um, working in leadership or working at, on staff mm-hmm. at church. I remember growing up in the uh, Assembly of God movement. Like that was like, for me, like that's what I wanted to do when I grow up. I wanted to work in the church and all this stuff. And then I got around the church offices and I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God. It's like, you see like behind the curtain, right? Just, you know, um, the pastor's wife, like, and, you know, pastor's wives, um, just talking. No, no, no. Like he didn't have double wives, but it was like the associate pastor. I mean, wait, why did I say it like that? No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm still getting my brain rewired. Um, (laughs) but no, it would be, uh, I know. Right. They were super progressive. Wow. I should have seen that. Um, (laughs) But like the pastor and the associate pastor's wives getting together and just like shit talking everybody mm-hmm. like it, it was one of the most like disheartening things to see just how these people that are supposed to like be taking care of their quote unquote flock and they're just like, you know, yeah. and then it was also in a prayer request too, right? You know, sister so-and-so really need to pray for them because they're going through X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, this feels this feels very yucky. <laughs> this is not sure. a good, it's not a good look for you at all. I kind of uh, find that sort of emotional masking to be really popular in like the South and Midwest, especially as kind of a form of politeness while also being gossip. Right. I think like my experience with kind of toxicity and environments like that was a lot more subtle. It was a lot mm. more like, um, yeah, sometimes it was like, oh yeah, we'll be praying for you or um, we're concerned about you, that kind of thing when it really means um, we know you're sinning. Yeah, uh, so you're it's, walking it's, on thin ice. We just want you to know that we know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that is that is definitely a possibility in those kinds of, those kinds of environments, especially when there's like something at stake. Um, right. Or yeah. something like you're uncomfortable comfortable with someone being a mess yeah um, and kind of bringing it up as a prayer request yeah Mm -hmm. that's real yeah 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 when it stops looking as cookie cutter as they want um yeah so you left about four years ago. What was like, what was, and if you, again, anything on here, you don't have to talk about, you know, if you don't feel comfortable. Um, but what was like the the final straw? Like, I know there were probably like little tiny movements. Was there a faith crisis? Also, mm-hmm. um, I'm not leaving you, but I have to shut the door real quick. Everyone just got home. So no problem. <laughs> no problem. All right. <laughs> we also have six dogs. So I, I was just waiting for them to start like losing their minds. But yeah, so right. was it like a, a faith crisis or I know, again, it's, it's not usually you wake up and you're like, oh, today I'm leaving the church, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, um, there are a combination of factors. I think the main one was probably in like 2017 I started 
having some qualms with well, I guess I should say specifically the the church I was in was a, a Presbyterian, like a PCA church, which is the conservative sect of Presbyterian. And the church I was in was very kind of like artsy and seemed to be accepting. There was a lot of talk of like racial reconciliation, um, restoring power to women. And I was just kind of like, well, those things are like nice but I have some questions about like why aren't women allowed to be elders mm. or pastors um or even like I don't know I don't think I ever actually saw like a guest speaker that was a woman so I kind of had a question about that and I was I was I was really struggling with this idea of like a diametric opposites complementarianism involving gender in the church and how every elder had to be a married you know straight man with kids Mm -hmm. and I just saw that as like inherently problematic yeah Um, as as in like when you lack diversity like that it begins to be somewhat lopsided um, no matter how awesome those guys might be and I was also asking some questions about um the kind of idea of the inerrancy or the infallibility of scripture and kind of pushing up against that because I was like well I want to know more like I wanted to get like more empirical about it and go like well how do we know Mm -hmm. and um why should I like theoretically trust that you know and when I was asking these questions, that's when I started be t- being removed from like, um, like my ex and I were leading a Bible study there and I was leading music and eventually it just kind of became like a, we notice you're struggling spiritually with some of these questions. So we can't let you be in leadership if you're unsure of these questions, which makes sense in some sense, right? Um, you should be confident in what you're teaching if you're going to teach it. And I was like, well, that's uncomfortable. And then I was like in a Bible study that was very upset with the church for this decision. I was like, well, if we ask questions, does that mean we're not allowed to be in the leadership position? And then it became more of like, I was facing a lot more gender dysphoria. I was in a marriage that was not supporting the exploration of gender identity and when I guess like at a certain point it was just becoming more clear that I was a gender non-conforming person and that became another reason to take me down from leading music on Sundays mm-hmm. I was kind of like a, I was leading maybe once a month or so and that then became this kind of like very intense um like in pastors offices having discussions feeling a lot of shame feeling a lot of confusion and I realized there was a lot of kind of emotional manipulation happening and some pretty uncool things being said to me as someone that um was having some pretty 
like now I see them as basic questions, mm -hmm. but then I, I was having to encounter the fact that these were questions that were challenging the power structure of the church. Yeah. Um, like what if I have no gender or what if I am all genders or what if I'm trans or what if I'm whatever, like all those questions challenge this binary that's in place that keeps everything in order and keeps, um, I guess the wealth of power distributed the way that it was and um COVID happened and I was still kind of like can I salvage this and 2020 is when everything fell apart and mm. stopped going to church my marriage ended I came out as gay and trans at the same time um this was really intense time yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Same yeah, thing in 2020. I came out, marriage fell apart. Just like we had nothing to do during COVID, right? Nothing else to do. Like look at yourselves in the mirror. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think um I don't know what my opinion is on Michael Jackson, but like the whole man in the mirror, you know, we'll say person in the mirror, like uh -huh. yeah, yeah, that reflection. Oh, yeah. You've got nothing else but time just to sit here and reflect and read books and podcasts. And mm -hmm. yeah, 20, I, I think 20, well, I can't talk right now. 20, 20, 20, 20, was definitely eye-opening for, for many, many folks. Um, and that's a, that's a lot to go through. I mean, especially, and, and, and it is, it is, um, it is questioning a power dynamic. But I think um, when I started questioning, you know, the idea of gender, I was like, if God can't just be he, and mm -hmm. if God is trans and God is non-binary, God is not gender conforming, it makes God to me more beautiful that he's not, it's still hard for me to use oh, different yeah. pronouns for God. I'm still working on that, but it's still, but it's, it, it, it opens up this whole like, new perspective a new um just beauty of who god is if god isn't a white male sitting on a throne with a white beard you know with his mm -hmm. white blue-eyed brown-haired jesus you know it just it opens up right. like humanity too like of mm -hmm. if you know god sees me god sees god in me and you know the same i don't know it was just very um it, it, again and it's like how you said you know these were simple questions like these are very like now to me it's like oh yeah this is very simple like this is very like duh but to get there after being indoctrinated as to you know what we've been conditioned mm -hmm. um, to look at and go yeah god's more complex and everything is really a spectrum and there's really no binary in and mm -hmm. anything but it does it it really it messes with that power dynamic, but it's also so freeing. And I don't know if you experience this too, but like once um, you kind of have that realization and it's like, all right, that um, because in the evangelical church, authority is a big thing. And when you don't see authority as a threat anymore, it really mm -hmm. just like kind of knocks that off. Right. It's like part of like dismantling the patriarchy. Like, okay, I don't see your authority as a threat. Mm -hmm. I just see you as like an insecure person that is trying to 
um, rule over people, like a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. I see this even in the metaphor that was just drilled into me of um, man and woman, husband and wife being like the church and God. And mm-hmm. the idea, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> we, were, we were told that like God is this perfect, all-powerful, benign, benevolent, not benign, I guess benevolent being mm-hmm. that um, loved the church, even though the church was broken and in need of salvation and a need of purifying. Mm-hmm. And that very picture was held up against um, men and women as husbands and wives, the husband purifying and making the wife better and the (laughs) wife needing the husband and all this bullshit that I think is so wild to look at now from the outside a little bit Mm -hmm. just even just from like an anthropological perspective this is how women have been taught to survive as Christians you're offered an eternal worth and you were offered safety and security as long as you follow these rules. Yeah. And men are given a similar promise of like, if you can be responsible and like respectful and be a leader, then you can have sex. Yeah. <laughs> and we're both kind of taught that's the only, you know, only context, which is extraordinarily problematic for so many reasons. Yeah. But especially when we're kind of conditioned to see God as this husband figure to us Mm -hmm. as the church and that husband figure is a he, it's a man. Mm -hmm. Um, When in fact, everything that I have learned about this kind of prime mover, eternal creator of all is so above and beyond the even like the dimensionality of humanity of, of gender at all yeah it's kind of this temptation to um make god in our likeness of mm-hmm. this kind of human likeness and go like well god is like the sun or god is like mm-hmm. um uh, a man you know and these things help us visualize but they always fall short and until we can challenge those notions, we don't really know ourselves or yeah. know any version of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It just brings so much. It backs so I love like how I've done, I don't know how many interviews now. I think this is probably 15, 16, but there's just, it, it seems to unpack more layers right um because i was thinking about like you have this hierarchy right and i don't know if you i'm sure you've seen this picture where there's an umbrella god's the umbrella right under the umbrella is the man then the woman then the children and if you go outside of that all hell is going to break loose and it's just you know you're doomed (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's and it's such i mean you use the word manipulation like it's such a manipulative 
um, way to control people. And then if you think outside of that, it's the scariest thing at first, like to like, to start having your own thoughts. Yeah, You know, not a thought that was from the man of God, from your pastor or whoever your spiritual authority was when you're like, you have that little, that little question. You're like, Oh my God, <laughs> no, right. stop. I can't have that. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it just, yeah, it, it opens a whole can of worms, but it's a beautiful can of worms. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's this kind of promise of Christianity, which I think has many tenets that I think can be very, very helpful to living a good life. But there are some tenets that I find so problematic that just get kind of glossed over most of the time when talking about it. And those include this um, this this promise of eternal life, mm. of all of your wrongdoings being done away with, yeah. and finding a community of people who are in that same kind of place of humility. But the only way you can have that is if you give up your kind of certain degree of autonomy. Mm-hmm. of agency yeah. of own decision making constructing a code of ethics that is experiential mm-hmm. um and like a kind of a, a moral framework that is not something that you have um lived life to figure out you are is handed to you and and the idea is like here the work is done for you don't worry about it. Just follow the rules. <laughs> and as long as you do that, you're fine. And there's yeah. something very comforting about that, especially if like, um, especially people who I think a very potent example is people who are drug users and were in this kind of addictive cycle of any kind of, especially like amphetamines, opiates, who find like this new addiction in Jesus um, yeah. as, as like a, yeah. I can't get enough of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is free. Jesus takes me higher. Um, I'm in a community where that's acceptable mm-hmm. and it is life-changing and it gives you purpose. And I think when Jesus is kind of viewed as this product, it loses its potent truth. And becomes instead another addiction, another power structure. Yeah. And I think that is, I I heard somebody say recently, um, I think like they said, like if Jesus knew that we had created a religion based (laughs) on his teachings, he would lose his fucking mind. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jesus (laughs) was here to kind of abolish the law, like so when we're creating new laws and new structures to act as an intermediary between us and the divine, we've missed the point, mm-hmm. I think, which makes me kind of go like, I think a spiritual path has to be something that is rooted in experience and then is shared with others, but not something that is prescribed because I think that's when it starts to get very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And you say Jesus, you know, is used as a product. It always makes me think of like Christianity is like 
can be one of the worst pyramid schemes, <laughs> you know, where you, again, Oh yes. You've got the pastor and then the pastor has, you know, their people. And then it just trickles down and it's like, how many, how many souls can we get? You know? Okay. Now you mm-hmm. need to go out and get 12 people, get 12 souls. And then they need to go get, you know, it's just like this. And it really, it loses focus on, you know, if you're to follow, if you're a follower of Jesus, really Jesus's teachings, because Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, go and make disciples. But I think it would have probably been more of like, go and fuck up society in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. I was at the Texas Capitol yesterday. It was horrific. Mm-hmm. We're going again on Friday. And it's like, I can feel my blood boiling again. And to me, that is like, Jesus would want that, like, go and stand for your siblings and, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. I had a lady like, lay her hand on me yesterday and go in the name of Jesus. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I almost lost it. I had a, I had a collar on that had a little trans flag on it. And I just mm-hmm. kind of wish as a smart, the smart ass that I am, I would have pulled it off and be like, I have been set free. Thank you. G-. You know, <laughs> I've just been a, a total jerk, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I just went on a, on a rant because it's just, it's so fresh <laughs> in my mind. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's something. It's something. Um, how did you stay? Like, I was a musician in church. You can see my guitars in the back. I've Uh, maybe played, you know, I don't play as much as I did. Um, how, how did you stay a musician, a singer, like music might be putting words in your mouth, but seems to be like a lifeline in a way for you. How did I stay doing it through that experience? Mm, yeah. Um, so I was writing songs during that time. Um, but before, like, I call it kind of the fall. Mm. <laughs> uh, I had written most of an album. And once the fall kind of occurred, I wrote a song called Firestarter. Um and that is the first song on the record that I released when I came out. Mm. So it was kind of, it was definitely kind of a lifeline. I think that it was like songwriting's always been something that's been very cyclical and mm. part of it. For me, it's like, it's a cycle. It's like a long-term cycle. It might take one to three years to have an album and be able to put it out into the world. Um, But honestly, during that time, it was so, I was in such like survival mode that I was doing um, other things that I think kind of supplemented my creative life. Like I was skateboarding a lot. Like I, I skated as a kid. And then once the pandemic started and church life was falling apart, I just got my old board out and, Mm skated every day for months and I was my job like let me go at the beginning of that time so I was like on unemployment skating every day and trying to write about my experience Mm -hmm. and um honestly just trying to cope and I, I think that I did kind of lose it and I did get to a really dark place and I think that like after that was all kind of said and done and 
I was in a new chapter of life, I looked back on all the songs I'd written over the last three years and realized that I had an album that was written subconsciously about coming out, divorce, leaving this life behind and dying. So it's a lot of grief in those songs. And that became Perennials, which was released in 2021. And it's what kind of um, surprisingly is what made my band take off. And it's what people refer to. It's still our most listened to album, but it's like looking at it, I'm like, that was all just a lot of pain mm-hmm. and a lot of confusion and a lot of not being sure I was going to make it. Yeah. And um, I kind of look back on that time as like, I wasn't writing every day, but I was writing enough to both experience and document because I have like this tendency to want to document everything. And the more I've let that go and try to just experience and then store it and then create with that material that has been like a riskier, but more exciting creative life. Um, Cause I still have like a daily practice in some sense, but um, I think that time definitely kind of fucked up my entire creative flow, (laughs) Um, but eventually came out with an album that I'm really proud of. And then Chrysalis came out a couple of months ago, right? March, yeah. Yeah, I think it was literally like the day of or the day after Mary's episode or after I Mm -hmm. I interviewed interviewed them. Um, and I have a, a really great friend that's, um, trans and anytime these legislators are being, um, assholes, it's the per- one person that comes to mind, like every time. Cause I'm like, if people just knew them, like they would be fighting for them too. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I sent them your album and they, they replied back, like, I'm already crying. <laughs> like just, you know, that it was just hitting home. Um, and I I think it's just so important to have that, um, visibility within the songs and the vulnerability, because I know it's not, it might come easy to write, but maybe hard to, to release. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not. Um, but to be able to invite people into that space and go, Hey, like, this is for you too. Like, let's, you know, Mm -hmm. hold, hold each other through you know, um, this music and one part, I like that there's a lot of like spoken, um, parts in the album. And, uh, the one thing that, again, I, I love to take walks and people that walk by me are probably like, what's going on with that person. But, um, one part where there's a recording and it's saying, you know, people just want to be their fucking selves, just let them be (laughs) their fucking selves. Like that's Uh all they want. And I'm like, walking like yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's what they want you know yesterday at the capitol these people just want to be their fucking selves they want to live they want their kids to live but you like all you know is your very small you know um framework which i was there at one point but it's still it's so frustrating it's like they just want they want to live these Mm -hmm. are the nicest kindest people fighting for their lives and they just want to be their their fucking selves (laughs) Right. next time I go I'll, I'll, on Friday I'll make a poster board that says that and put a shout out to the the album 
perfect that's um guy who's so raw you know on that rant is uh, my producer johnny and we were just like hanging out at his house one day with this dog and uh he just started talking and going on this rant i just got out my phone and was like nice word and i didn't say anything and yeah later i was like hey man i recorded this thing do you mind if i just like throw a little sound design on that and put on the album and he's like i'll think about it <laughs> i was like that is i mean that's a good allyship yeah um he's it really straight- is yeah, yeah and it's great merch too i'm just kidding. yeah for real <laughs> yeah and like I think it was one of those things that which is a more direct voice amongst the album that I think was really important. Really got it made it. Yeah, I am too. I, I really do think that like people who, you know, are in the name of a church or in the name of God, the name of the Christian God going like, um, you trans person have you lost your way yeah. you are you need to be saved um i think in some kind of twisted way comes from a good place of like people who are genuinely convinced that their path that they're on is something that should be shared with everybody mm-hmm. and i do think it takes quite a lot of deconstruction to get to the point to be able to see um someone who is in a you know, a queer person and some kind of gender or sexuality minority as living authentically and that being okay. Like some churches that are like, yeah, well we can, we let people, gay people come to our church, trans people come to our church, but they can't do these things. You know, they can't be in leadership or whatever. Yeah. And in fact, it's like, that is just a softer form of discrimination, but it's still discrimination. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, what's the fear? You know, like, what are you afraid I'm going to do? Yeah. Um, it's not contagious. <laughs> it really no, is. It's not. Um, I think that, I mean, and kind of a sense it, it, it can be as far as like awareness and like right, people yeah. meeting a gay person and going like, oh my God, <laughs> you're kind of cute. Right. Well, you know, and going like, oh shit, I think I'm gay. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, yeah, that I like that. I'm, I'm going to steal that as far as it being contagious because it's, because gay in the what, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, Don, Don, we now are gay apparel, like men Mm -hmm. happy and, you know, queer men. Okay. A little quirky, a little odd, you know, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like, if that's contagious then hell yeah like okay. if you want to be I mean, happy and quirky be happy and quirky <laughs> i think the misconception there is just um cultural kind of spread like mm-hmm. people are like why are there so many gay people now well because there's it's, more like there are more options for people mm-hmm. to live and people are not being authentic when they yeah. can't be at so many different points in history so we have so many like people in their 80s and 90s coming out mm-hmm. so late because they there it was never safe. Oh my god. Come out. Right. Yeah. And I'm even, you know, I'm I'm 31. I came out when I was 28 and I'm like, well, there are all these kids who are, you know, 20 that I work with um 
in the music scene or whatever, who are just kind of like matter of fact, never really came out, just have been gay. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, well, <laughs> like, <laughs> I it breaks my brain because I'm like, you didn't have to like, right. Yeah. Your family, you didn't have to, you know, and I think it's, I mean, another fact is like, like my parents were in like older Gen X and then like Gen Z's parents are going to be younger Gen X or even older millennials. Right. So they grew up in environments that are more exposed to um, more liberal ways of living. So it's like, it's kind of like there's this 80 year turnover. I keep on thinking about this. It's like Congress and Mm -hmm. um, lifetime appointments and political systems. I'm just like 80 years from now, everyone here is going to be gone and then there'll be a whole new batch of people yeah and it's like I it's kind of like I try to play devil's advocate in a way ironically of conservatives especially of like they have something that works for them mm-hmm. and the only way that it can continue to work is if the power remains centralized yeah and there's kind of a, you know, when you go really far right, you end up coming around to being far left and vice versa. There's, vice there's versa, like, yeah. There's like this shadow on the other side of the moon <laughs> where, where the far left and right hang out. And I'm just kind of like, they're all kind of looking for, it's like, I'm ranting right now, but it's like this kind of, anarchist ideology of like if we go so far left and we tear down everything that is not working that gives like a perfect environment for a small group of powerful people to take charge Mm -hmm. and that's the same kind of ideology of the far right fascist movements and right yeah that, that kind of idea is like sprinkled throughout um American politics, American Christianity, um, scary, but it's like something to be aware of and conscious of when kind of like talking about, um, like gender theory, um, any kind of form of spirituality in the form of government, kind of realizing that we are, um, like we are reliant upon nuance and conversation to get anywhere. It's not about burning down the system. It's not about an immediate, like burning cars, breaking windows revolution. I don't think it's about um, a Republican government. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's about continuing to have conversations and um, electing people into office that, you know, speak for the people. I think I took yeah. a breath in there somewhere. <laughs> I got completely lost. <laughs> no, not at all. You can uh, edit that out if you want to. No, oh no, no, no. Um, <laughs> it made me think of, you know, like the book of like first and second Kings where, you know, I think we have this idea of looking at the Bible as, you know, it all happened at the same time. Right. But it's like, right. in like thousands of years or hundreds, you know, mm-hmm. there's a big timeline. 
And then kings, it was like, this person was a good king. This person was a bad king. And they did all this. And this was good, good, good. And it's, it's, and the thing that it kind of discourages, but encourages me is that, you know, we look at studies from hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and it's like the same shit, different, different error, you know, um, and yeah, and but Gen Z, like, there's something there, you know. They got like, it going on. They they give no shits. Like they have no it's shits awesome. to give. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love studying their humor, and I and I keep on trying to like use it, you know. Like, <laughs> and then I'm hanging out with my my younger friends. I'm like, facts. And they're like, facts. No cap. No, no cap. cap. Dead ass. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> The other day I was like, fax, no printer. And somebody just like, he just like, like melted. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to be cool. And I'm like, oh shit, it's happening. I am officially old. Yeah. You just, um, you, one day you just get old and it's like, when did this happen? Like, I thought I was still like cool and hip. And then right. our son's talking, he's 17. And I'm like, uh-huh. Am I like I can kind of pick it up, right? Like I, I yeah. heard something the other day, and he goes, "Dead ass." I'm like, "Yeah, dead ass, bro." Dead and my ass. my wife is like, oh. "What are you saying?" Yeah, for real. <laughs> dead ass has been around for a long time. It has been, yeah. And you know, thankfully, there's TikTok, so you can get some education, you yeah. know, there. But yeah, the the mm-hmm. no cap and the um, yeah. and uh, oh, no shot. He always says, "No shot, no shot." And I'm like. my my tactic is just to stay cool just to try to like be like understated a little bit yeah yeah. like don't get too excited because that I think freaks out the children I think they get like oh my god she's like trying to be relevant and (laughs) I might just need to like relax right yeah (laughs) It makes me think of like, you know, in a youth group or young adult groups, there was always like the older person that was there that, you mm-hmm. know, we're young adults, but there's a 40 year old Chad that's hanging out. Why is Chad here? Like Chad should not be here. And you're just like, yeah, try not Chad's to trying to reconnect to his childhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chad's trying to pick up a, a wife. Um, Ooh, but yeah, that happened to me. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> oh my god and at the time you know i didn't realize yeah i knew uh, i don't know like my my gay story is so weird but i suppressed it i came out at 35 all right yeah yeah but i I looked gay for a very long time Uh and (laughs) tried to look femme for about 10 years and that just was not working like i looked miserable in all my photos Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know where we were going with that but yeah it's just Oh yeah. The weird. Yeah. Yeah. So someone tried to pick me up and I was like, no, he had a lot of money though. I was like, I would have been set, but I am, I am not a gold digger. So (laughs) you're authentic. Yeah, I know. It kind of bites you in the rear sometimes. Sure. Can't say that's ever happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. You still have time. Cause I think I was, I think it was it's in young adults. So I was probably in my early thirties, late twenties. And right. this guy was in his forties. I'm like, Ooh, you're so old. And now I'm like almost 40. I'm like, he's old. Right. <laughs> it's it's funny. Like I've, um, I've been with my partner Marley for about a year and a half and I am like three years older than her 
and I am definitely the mommy and I'm just kind of like, I just have to kind of lean into that. And I was like, well, I have never been with someone that's younger than me um, for very long, but now I'm just kind of like, okay, I am the mature (laughs) mommy in this relationship. And you are also the mature, but slightly younger. Like we, like we have a, a dog named Missy Elliott. I love it. I yeah. saw her in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to kind of decide who was going to be called what. And we decided Marley is going to be mama and I'm going to be mommy. Nice. Nice. Yeah. If ever Missy decides to call us. <laughs> right. By some nice title. Start talking. Right. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. You know, we're, we're planning a family and that was a thing too. It was like, I don't know what I'd want to be called. And I think I went with mama and she, or mm-hmm. kids call her mommy already. So That's I'm like, great. is there a gender neutral parent? <laughs> you know, bad, like, mom, like dad, yeah. or damn. <laughs> like, ah, uh, what was it? I thought of a gender neutral, like parent name. It's definitely some good, like grandparent names. Like, um, I don't know things like Opa or um I forget what it was I saw a list of these recently and I was like none of those are really usable and no <laughs> one really thought of a good one except like like you can't say like hi parent or right yeah parent. yeah or um, or some of the older millennials um Gen Xers that call their parents by their first name I called that my mom by her first name once. Old as hell. Once. <laughs> yeah. That was it. I said, hey, Vicky. She goes, what did you call me? I was like, mom, mom. <laughs> right, right. I can't imagine. Like, I still call, like, my partner's mom. Like, I, I'm like, do I call you Pam? <laughs> I feel weird <laughs> about that. <laughs> because Marley doesn't call you Pam. Right. I call you mom. I think that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Names and titles are so weird. I think in, um, I want to say like Finland or somewhere they don't use Mr. or Mrs. They just use first names, even like kids in school. Like mm-hmm. there's really, so it kind of like um, debunks like the power dynamic. Love it's, that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it makes people uh, more approachable or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we're almost to our hour, which the time, yeah, the time goes by so fast, um, especially when it's a good conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just looking over my questions real quick to see if there's anything that I'm like, yes, I need to ask this. Um, Maybe we could think of a nice kind of um, concluding segment, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, usually like I have like three, three questions that I ask at the end. Mm, Um, And it's so like, what would you say to your younger self, your older self? Um, And then a promotion, like, what would you like to promote? Um, Because it's, it's helpful, right? Like uh, (laughs) to go to look back and go, oh, you know, 20 year old Brett, like (laughs) if you, you know, yeah. um, so I'll start with that. Like what, what is something that you would want to tell your younger self? And that could be like, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. 
I've been I've been working on writing a book for a few years. It's kind of like a memoir. So I am thinking a lot right now about um my middle school and high school self. Mm. And I'm just kind of like steeped in that world and trying to like extract from it the I guess the meaning, the the story. <laughs> And also just trying to like in like re-encounter a lot of like really hard stuff. And I think like if I were to see her, like, you know, a 14-year-old Jody, I would be like, hey, um, first of all, this is what you're gonna look like when you're 31. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. Um, but also like everyone that you think holds power over you doesn't Mm. everybody at school who might um gloss over you or make fun of you or exclude you they're not worth your energy Mm. and you can carry around a confidence in knowing that you are going to be somebody who is kind and authentic and integrated and powerful um even if it doesn't feel like right now mm-hmm. I think is what I would say yeah I mean I think about all the time I've been having kind of dreams lately of being in high school and being out and being like confident in myself and I look around it's kind of like I was terrified of all these people and I was seeing them and trying to emulate them and fit in and um, kind of shut down the large portions of myself mm-hmm. and now I kind of look at it as like I spent so much energy trying to please and fit and remain attached in ways that helped me survive and I think some of that was necessary in order to survive but there were also some things that I I think held on for held on to for so long and realized that they were not serving me far mm. too late in life so hopefully that would be something I could understand at that age I'd kind of be like what could you write that down <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah I think it would be interesting like if you could see like you said like showing your younger self a picture of yourself now oh, yeah imagine appearing like as an apparition <laughs> Hello, I am Jody from 2023. Uh, <laughs> Do not <Yeah>. be afraid. <laughs> right. Wheels and fucking wings. You know, 15 voices speaking at the same time. <laughs> Could you turn yeah. the reverb down on uh, voice five? <laughs> it's a little, oh my God. little much. perfect. <laughs> I think if I would have appeared to my my high school self, I'd be like, I didn't change. I look the same. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Oh my god! <laughs> Let me show you. Um, five years yeah. ago, Brent, <laughs> your story is not over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Do not do the internship. Do not. <laughs> oh my god! That sounds like there's a story behind that. Oh yeah, they're gonna mess you up. <laughs> they're gonna mess you up <laughs> in a big way. They're gonna try to kick you out because they think you're gay. You are, but you don't think you are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and they so in this uh this internship we had what was called a girls class and a guys class right 
Guys Great. class, they probably went, ate pizza, played basketball, whatever guys do, right? right. Um, and in the girls class, we were told what to wear. And this was a Christian internship for youth ministry, right? So I'm thinking like, I'm going to go and they're going to teach me Bible stuff. And, you know, no, like we had to always have mascara on some kind of lip stuff. And uh, one of the times when they were trying to kick me out, they're like, okay, so if you feel a certain way towards girls, you need to put more makeup on because obviously that makes you less gay. (laughs) In other words, cover it up. (laughs) Cover it. Yeah. Yeah. Cover it up. I'm like, and and I wonder, I'm like, why did Uh I say like, I should have, I wish I would have had the like confidence just to like get out. But I was like, I need to, I need to remain. I need to, you know. I was, right. in, I was in the military. And one of the things they told us, mm-hmm. they also told us jobs that we should have and shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And one of the jobs was, you know, it's not ladylike to go into the military um, and don't be a cop because that's not ladylike. <laughs> and my job in the military, I was a cop. Okay. <laughs> at the end, I showed them a picture of me with my, you know, my weapon and stuff. I'm like, this is what I used to do. You know, it's funny that you brought that wow. up. You know? And now I need yeah. to find a more feminine job, whatever the hell that Jeez. means, you know, um, yeah. whatever that means, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. It, it was, it was bad. So, and they were so homophobic, uh, mm-hmm. the, the pastor, there's a clip that's floating around somewhere where he like used the F slur. And this is like a mega church in Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, God. Yeah. My, when I, when I finally got into therapy, um, when I got, when I came to Austin in 2021, 2020, mm-hmm. it's the end of 2020. Um, that was like my first, like two or three months was just getting through that internship. Oh my God. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, <laughs> it was bad. I could do like a whole like episode on just that internship. I would probably need a few of them. Mm-hmm. It'd be a series. Um, what, what is something that you would want to tell a listener? And this can be anybody that you have mm-hmm. in mind. A listener. Yeah. Like, what would I say to listeners of the podcast? Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. What do I have to say? I would say, well, if you found this podcast, congratulations. <laughs> you are officially a delinquent. <laughs> Welcome to the misfits. <laughs> you you have successfully defected. Um, and now you have a bunch of queer people who love you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I would let me firstly say, be not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Relax. Um, yeah, I think there's, if I can give a, I guess a more podcast appropriate answer, it would be asking questions is the right thing to do always. Mm. And whether you are, um, out or closeted or in between or a Christian or, atheist or buddhist or whatever we all live on the same planet in the same world with the same preconditions and i think it's really important to not be afraid of yourself and not be afraid of the questions that come to mind because those are going to show you a path of authenticity 
Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. And I, I think that like, that was such a hard fought reality. Um, but now I think that is something that is universal and the only way to grow is to ask questions and not be afraid of what the answers are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if the truth can destroy something, it should, yeah. <laughs> which is harsh, but it's like, when that is paired, when that truth is paired with love, um, and there's something to catch you at the other side of that, I think that's when growth happens. Of mm-hmm. like, yes, yeah, so just don't be afraid of it. And I have so many things to say. Like, don't be afraid of your feelings. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to share those experiences with others. And um, that you are a beautiful, well-made person with a future and yeah. with lots of potential and so much beauty. Mm. And you can own that. Yeah. And you are the only one who can give yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pep talk. <laughs> and be your fucking self. <laughs> be your fucking self, man. That's it, man. That's it. I mean, that's that, it. I think that might be the title of uh, of this episode. Be your. Please. I don't know if I can put fucking on there, but be your effing, your ducking self. I'll autocorrect it. Ducking. <laughs> it's never ducking. It's ducking never ducking. Ducking is the bane of my existence. <laughs> I, I'm just like, why hasn't my phone learned this? I text the word fuck. How many times do I talk about ducks? I don't. I have no ducks. I have no ducks to give. Um. Right. I literally have no ducks. I have no ducks. <laughs> no quacks. Um, in fact. <laughs> um quacks. No cap. No cap. No cap. Um, Dead ass. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's, it's pretty uh, cringe, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> not, not gonna lie. has been around forever too, right? <laughs> it's funny how things kind of like recycle. You know, and they're like, yeah, we made this. I did find a video on TikTok where it's like a conversation between a a couple in the 90s that are going back and it's all the 90s lingo. And so I sent that to my stepson. I was like, this is from your ancestors. Me, I'm your ancestor. This is how we used to talk. So the historical document. Right. Or like the um, Orbitz commercial. What the, what the French toast. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. I am. Yeah. I love like like you wish you, or, like, you wish loser whatever seriously <laughs> that was that was me that was my <laughs> and I didn't know Audi five thousand was like the car Audi th- I thought it meant like an Audi like a belly button you know like so yeah. weird Audi I'm Audi five thousand I was like okay like I just I've never heard of that one you never okay maybe that maybe that's a little bit older <laughs> I'm a relatively younger millennial <laughs> right in the middle. Um, I just thought of this one last question mm-hmm. uh, to just kind of throw at you. What would you tell um, the people yeah. that are going through all these crazy legislative um, nightmares? Yeah, like people being personally affected. yeah, trans kids, especially trans kids, like in their parents, right? right. Um throwing a tough one at you oh boy <laughs> i know it's a um, hard hitter <laughs> yeah it is well first of all know that i'm having to tell myself these same things daily um there is nothing that anyone can do to make you bless yourself 
um, there are people who can take away your rights and take away your medications and your care, but they can't change who you are. Mm. Um, I think it's important to take care of yourself by whatever means possible and know that you deserve it and that you are worth it. I don't even think it's a matter of deserving. Mm. It's you are, therefore you are worth it. Mm -hmm. And I think largely these attacks on trans youth are from a place of fear from a small radical sect of the right who benefit from your invisibility. Mm -hmm. So whatever you can do to safely be visible might be the most badass thing you can do right now Mm. and it might be dangerous but we are in another chapter of queer rights um i do think that these measures are unconstitutional Mm. and therefore once they reach the federal level um they have to be deemed as such you know but until then we do have to live in a space of injustice that I think like I know is temporary even though it is causing distress and higher chances of mortality for Mm -hmm. trans people um it is something that is not all there is there's always more to the story um but also remember that you have to take care of yourself and the government's not going to do it for you. Um, it never was. Yeah. Um, also, there has not ever been a better time in all of history to be trans. Mm. <laughs> like things are in a bit of a nosedive right now, but like historically, we haven't been allowed to exist on the streets for long at all. Mm-hmm. And here we are existing. And of course there's going to be a reenact reactionary, you know, response to that existence that challenges the power of a, a few people in power. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to keep that in perspective. Do your research, but also take care of your mind. Feed yourself, drink water, kiss somebody if that's your thing. And give yourself a break because this world's hard enough to live in. Yeah. Make sure that your mind is a sweet place to be if you can. And if it's not, there are resources available to help you. Um yeah, I mean, I have a page on my website, um, puff.band. <laughs> it's a resources tab that has all these different resources of like oh, great. the Trevor Project, Suicide Hotline, resources for people who are just getting into um, gender theory and deconstructing. Um, so that's available for anybody that needs it. And what was the website again? It is www.puff like puf dot band okay yeah 
Awesome. I'll be sure to put that in the the description as well. Um, Where and they can find you on the Uh, website. If you Google Public Universal Friend Band, you'll see everything. Um, We are on all streaming services. There's a lawnmower. Sorry for the noise. (laughs) Um, We're on all streaming services. We have a website. We are we post our tour schedule on there. Um, we have a band camp where all our merch is. Mm. Um, what else? We have lots of music videos on YouTube, so you can check us out cool. there too. Um, the best thing you can do right now for us is buy t-shirts and help us with our vinyl Kickstarter that we're doing. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram if you want to. Awesome. Jody. it was so nice to have you. I love this conversation. Probably we'll have to do this again. (laughs) Let's do it again. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Next are two tracks from Jody's Public Universal Friend album, Chrysalis. And it's the first and second track on the CD. It's the Trans Lament. And then it goes into Jesus Part 1. Please listen to it and like and follow Jody's music on Spotify. You can listen to everything on there. This is just a little treat for y'all to get you started on your fandom of Public Universal Friend.
Tune in next week when we hear from my friend, my sibling, my partner in crime, Yadi. They are the founder of Color Splash, and they are just a ball for a ball full of fire and excitement, and they love life. They have a great and interesting story. Again, tune in next week, next Thursday. This episode will drop. Until then... Have a great week, weekend, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this. Um, If it's summertime, enjoy the summer and get outside and soak up some of those rays. Goodbye.